Welcome back to the Great American Movie Review, where we review great British movies. My name is Micaiah. My name is Kyle. This week we're going to be talking about the 2008 dark comedy in Bruges. Uh, and Bruges takes place in Belgium, of course, Bruges. Uh, it's two London Irish hitmen. They're hiding out after a job gone wrong. The film is the first feature from British filmmaker Martin McDonough. The film was a mild success, taking in almost $39 million on a meager $15 million budget. More significantly, it struck a chord with the film Institutions, receiving four BAFTA nominations and an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay, which I believe went to Milk instead. It went on to be become very popular amongst film fans. It's a little bit of a cult classic. It might be young enough for it, or old enough for it. So, film starts with a very mild, vague narration from from Colin Farrell's character Ray or Colin Farrell's character Ray. Yeah, I've about, said in the past that I don't care for narration. In I think movies. narration can be done well if it's not just Generally. straight up. If it's not just straight up exposition for exposition's sake this works in this movie 100 percent because it's literally just setting the tone it's like first of all he's just cussing a ton right off the bat i don't know how you how you want us to deal with that because i i kind of want to this movie this movie makes me really want to curse because it is a fantastic piece of script it is oh oh yeah if you want to quote the movie i feel like go for it that's your call i'm not going to but if you want to go for it yeah but yeah, I think the opening narration is just kind of a nice just setting of the tone. It's got this kind of odd kind of piano score that's a little bit more melancholy than you might expect. Um, but I think it's also partly like just kind of setting this weird kind of it's a little dreamy in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, with like the fades just black and then cutting into Bruges and all of that with Colin Farrell just kind of his character talking about how much he hates it already yeah and just from the very beginning he's just he's just a little prick yeah he's like he's just complaining constantly from the beginning we get more about his character which makes that a little bit more understandable and you get more about him later on but from right at the beginning you're just like oh this guy sucks um yeah but then we get introduced to pretty quickly it just kind of gets right to it with um the main characters of Ken and Ray, yeah. played by Ray is Colin, Colin Farrell, Farrell and, and Ken is, is Brendan, Brendan Gleeson, Gleeson yeah. both of who are great in this movie. Just it's um, it's it's almost it's almost the the it's a trio of characters in a way. Bruges in its own character is its own character right. in its own right. Even even though it has it has nothing to say, it has a lot to show, especially because it. It's very direct with its scene transitions. It's going from one place to the next. Obviously, Brennan Gleason is Brennan Gleason's character. Ken is is going to the places he wants to go, and Ray is just sulking like a, a five year old boy in a museum. Right, and they make a big point about the location being important and significant in right. the movie to the point where I don't know if there's a movie that says its actual title more than this one. Yeah, <laughs> um, usually with. Uh, the f word in between <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah like it's just he's just constantly saying in effing bruges yep so it it for the first for the first few minutes it it just plays off of that and it does it in such a i'll use the term again direct it it goes from scene transition to scene transition clearly showing both of their 
their characters. There's no filler in between. And really, that's the way it is for the entirety of the movie. There is just no filler whatsoever. Right. Every, every single scene and every single line of dialogue goes from one place to the next. And everything sets up everything. There's there's payoffs for everything. No loose ends Oh, whatsoever. yeah, that's something that I think... Okay, so this is McDonough's first movie, which McDonough went on and he did um, Seven Psychopaths after this. And then followed that up with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was mm -hmm. obviously in the film world, like a really big deal. Uh, got, that one really blew up and got him nominated. This one, he got nominated for writing for the screenplay for an Oscar. Right. Um, that one got nominated for everything and one bunch as well. Um, so it's kind of cool seeing like going back and revisiting his first one because I haven't watched it since he's come out with these other ones. And then he, most recently Banshees of Inisherin, which also kind of blew up the awards circuit, even that, though it didn't really win anything. that's also Colin Oscars. Farrell and uh, Brennan Gleeson. Right? Yes, that's also the only thing I know it's about like that a movie. cast reunion right. for in Bruges in that one. But uh, So I did see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, but it was... It was many years after this, and I didn't know it was Martin McDonough. I just knew that it was a fairly big movie for the year. Very different because it's obviously an American cast. Right. Um, and then, but it has the same kind of like darkness in the humor that's presenting. That's Absolutely. very distinct and unique to him. And something that McDonough has done really well since his, this is his first feature, which is just incredibly impressive to me. I know he did play stuff before. I don't know anything about his world before this movie. But in this movie, he has a very strong grasp on what he was trying to do for his first film. And there's that kind of circular kind of pattern that I love about the Coen brothers in their films. Right. I think he kind of brings a similar thing to how he does it in his. His has a little bit more of a, a bite than the Coen brothers stuff does. Definitely. The Coen brothers are my favorite filmmakers. Um so that kind of writing always just works for me. And from the very beginning, they're just setting stuff up to just be paid off. Just either sometimes in the next scene, sometimes like way down by the to the end of the movie. Um, yeah. So so going. so to give an example, right before uh, it had to have been like between ten to fifteen minutes before the the first date scene between Chloe and Ray, which we'll get to, but. They're talking about man comes at you with a bottle. He better be willing to take the consequences. That's a deadly weapon. And right. immediately after uh, Ray punches the Canadian, his his girlfriend swings the bottle and he says, a bottle, and then immediately punches him and says, don't bother. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, because they're talking it's about something the something so small. Guy. Right, right. It's like, it's a, he's a lollipop man. He's like, what was a lollipop man going to do? <laughs> maybe like, maybe he knows karate. be deadly weapons. Yep. Maybe he knows karate. <laughs> what's a lollipop? Yeah. What's a 50-year-old lollipop man doing knowing karate? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's really, like, and they're talking about, he's like, because that whole scene set up is him talking about how he's murdered a number of people mm -hmm. and that, you know, it's just the profession and it is what it is, basically. He's like, I never murdered anybody like a kid, but like, I didn't have to murder a lollipop man once. Yeah, it's just really funny kind of circular conversations and everything just kind of comes back around, though. Nothing, like you said, it's all very airtight in its presentation. An another thing with the two characters, it's, it's definitely an odd couple setup that a lot right. of a lot of movies have you have complete polar opposites and you put them together and see see what happens with with ray of course he's he's the child he 
that was his first job and it was botched. He's a little bit on edge because of that, but he's also just a kid who uh, doesn't know the consequences of his actions. Right. Of course, Brennan Gleason, much older, probably been doing this for a decade or two. So he, and that's also affects how they see Bruges most definitely because of the fact that right. Ray doesn't care for it. He just wants to go home or he wants to go to somewhere. He's saying he it's likes. terrible before they're even there. Right. Like on the train ride, he's like, it sucks. He's like, have right. you ever been there? He's like, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why then, would I go there? And then, of, and then of course, uh, and then Ken, of course, because he's been doing that longer, he likely wants to take it all in because he doesn't know how much time he has left. Obviously right. in, in the line of work that he's in, there's much more risk involved. So he, whether he's interested or he definitely seems to be interested, uh, especially with the, the, uh, the church and the, the yeah, he's calmer. He maybe of Jesus Christ's blood. Yeah, he, so obviously he's maybe not done. Yeah. He's maybe not done this exact thing before, mm-hmm. but he's been in the game long enough that he just knows how to, you just got to lay low. You just got to kind of make the most of, a situation that's usually not that exciting but he ends up you know just going to see sights in the town and he just wants to just kind of relax and enjoy himself while he's in this town but not like do too much either he's also actually doing the most important thing when laying low and that's to be very was it is it it's either conspicuous or inconspicuous is it inconspicuous be incognito, essentially. You, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. If you're be conspicuous, noticed. people are noticing you. Under, yeah, so it's the opposite of that. Inconspicuous. Incon- you want to be unnoticed. So, and and Ray, of course, on edge. He's willingly putting himself into situations that will get him injured. Take for instance the Chloe date night. So right. Yeah. So the first like kind of scene that we really get to, to highlight these characters mm-hmm. once they get into town um is when they're sitting outside the steps um the tower uh, which is just i guess a local spot that you get to go up it's 366 steps a kind of tight little stairway up to like a cool view of this little town i haven't um, been to bruges but it's it's i believe the cathedral in bruges which is one of the more well-known cathedrals in europe when it comes to oh, yeah. medieval architecture so mm. yeah, it would it would it would definitely be a tourist spot, and that's yeah, where we find sure. the Americans. Yeah, which I mean, the guy who plays the American, I don't know, he's he's if you know, but he's the he's in Shaun of the Dead as well. He's clearly not American. His accent is a little iffy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's the the big zombie in Shaun of the Dead that they're throwing records at. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene. First of all, this scene really highlights right off the bat that if you are a sensitive type person who does not like to hear certain things said that are really mean-spirited this is not the movie for you um immediately this person comes up and he's going to go up the steps it's american tourists they're asking colin farrell if he's been up there he hasn't but he tells them yeah it's terrible (laughs) yeah it sucks um and they're like what are you serious he's like well you shouldn't even go up there he's like why and then he calls them all elephants and then he chases him around and kind of stumbling and just kind of mocks them uh it's just like this once again hammering that like ray is just he's the worst at the beginning of the movie before you understand more about his situation and everything i mean he's still the worst even after that but like 
it it definitely doesn't help human his, at a point <laughs> his his dead his deadpan throughout right. the movie doesn't help no um, no he's very deadpan and the, the movie is obviously not like oh this is okay but it's leaning into it really hard to highlight a really just dark aspect of going through grief in this movie of like what happened and what he's trying to process it 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 definitely isn't supporting it what i'd say is it's showing something that is very human right um better than most movies in my opinion right and then later you find out that that guy who went up the stairs anyway has a heart attack yeah despite yeah has a heart attack and died up there which is why they had to shut it down once again going that's, into that yeah, circular kind of writing that's what i'm talking about it 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 sets something up and then it knocks it down it's it's everything is a domino to be knocked down eventually right even like a little scene like that that you don't really think much of you're like oh, something that's played off for comedy mean-spirited and kind of fat phobic it's like that's kind of the point yeah. um but yeah then so you get that scene and then ken goes up the tower and enjoys the view whatever we move on from there uh well an- another thing as well when ken uh, comes down. He also says the same thing. Hey, you can't. You shouldn't go over, right. over there. It's, it's just trying very to be polite. He, he's right. he's not even. Yeah, he's not even talking about like you shouldn't go over there. You'll get stuck. It's like a, well, you should like, go over there. It might be uncomfortable for you. And there, it's it's hammering home. If even if you have good intentions, it's it, there's there's going to be some offense taken for right. most things. And and you see in that scene where he's going, where um, Ken's going up the tower, mm-hmm. that. Ken, who is not like the most in shape person in the world, um, no, he gets winded going up there. He gets sweaty and he's like, oh, you know, just trying to get to the top of it. But he really enjoys the yeah, view. Yeah, so but he, then when he, gets so back he down, would know that this is very right. uncomfortable. And it's a good, it's a good view. But maybe, maybe don't go up there. It's like what we were talking about in Pitch Black, where it's like they were in the desert, but then it didn't really seem very hot. Mm-hmm. In this situation, it's kind of exactly what I was saying where he really does look tired walking up that tower, which yep. makes him saying that to them in a minute when he gets back down, not an asshole thing to do. I guess that's me yeah. breaking the not swearing thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to, but up. here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm pretty sure I did say ass in the pitch black one. So As long as it's not in the first couple minutes, we're good. Like yeah, I said, so... I fully in- I fully intend to curse because of the fact that the the dialogue is so particular with how right. with how it works. It, it is, yeah. And there's the whole um, you get a little conversation with just Ray finds on the phone at some point in here in the movie, mm-hmm. and just like the little tiny bit of Ray finds <laughs> on the phone made me go like Ray finds is so good. <laughs> I just, uh, I I really he's not even in the movie for two thirds of it. I... like physically, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just got such like a specific way of speaking. And then when you see him, he looks exactly like the guy that would speak that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just perfect. Not only that, but he he acts exactly like it. And even just the Right. So the 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 co owner Maria who who takes the message from him, just that right. that alone. It's that Right, just the message it's, typed it's, out as it is. Yes, it yeah. is so yeah. good, but that's when you hear him first. It's like you hear his voice reading the letter. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Telling them that they need to like stay in that night. Oh, and that's then, so good. And then the fir- yeah. the first phone call, uh the first actual phone call, you can really tell that he it reinforces it, but he's he's much more 
it's much more reserved as a pragmatic thing talking right. about Ray, of course, because in the first one, he's angry because he gave them specific orders that they disobeyed. In the second one, he's giving the orders and being much more uh, reserved about it. But he's right. still he's still that personality. Yeah, so then they go back and they're at the hotel at night and then Ray is trying to get Ken to go out, but Ken or but Ray doesn't want to like do anything. He just wants to like go to the pub basically. And Ken's like, no, but then Ray convinces him to go out by telling him, Let's we can go do whatever you want, look at architecture and right. stuff. I bet the architecture so go in out. the night looks a lot better, kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh then they find the film set, which is just kind of like, there's a lot going on in this movie in terms of its setting. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's kind of where it's like the characterization of Bruges itself, um, because it's right around the Christmas season. And so you still have some Christmas stuff just up and around. Right. Um, and then you also have this film being shot, this Belgian film that has, I frankly, I don't know the proper vernacular for what is the thing to call little people now i don't know what I've, it is in this I've, movie's I've, time i I've, do remember it being oh, as the movie says dwarf it's, is the proper it's, al it's almost certain it so i i know the least offensive is most certainly dwarf because dwarfism is the right is this is the name of the disorder or syndrome for the sake of this conversation of within the context of talking about this movie too like that's what they used so right um because they they obviously say worse things um because he's making a whole conversational point he even makes yeah a point he makes calling the, out himself, he makes the point yeah. oh of course like i said the dead man, it like, works so well with all the time yeah it works it, just it works so well and it's almost it's almost charming in a way you can see yeah. it as offensive but it's almost charming in a way Right, like it, there's yeah, Ray. Like that's the thing with Colin Farrell that he's really good at. He's a very charming on-screen presence, mm -hmm. even when he's playing a character like this, who's just kind of like on paper. He yeah, on and paper he talks so fast. That. Yeah, and he's just kind of like working his way, but he's able to get himself. He's able to somehow worm himself out of being the asshole in the conversation mm -hmm. you know like he's just quick on his feet with the way he's thinking and also clearly like very anxious all the time yeah which understandable given the circumstances yeah which this um, introduces us to chloe because he meets this girl on the film set right uh that uh the actress is flora delacour in, in harry potter yeah harry potter that's She's actually the first thing Tenet. i noticed when i when i watched uh this movie wait who does she play yeah. tenet She's the girl in Tenet who like is telling him how it works when she's oh, like, you yeah. drop the bullet, you pick Man. up the bullet. That's her. So that's confusing. Those are the only other movies I've seen her in, but um I saw her in this one. I was like, Oh, I recognize her. Where do I recognize her from? And it was those movies. Yep. And so with the Chloe character, there's some more plot lines going on, adds more kind of stuff just to go on in the movie. Um, because so here is when we after this scene we finally get the flashback right to what actually happened beforehand and this is where we actually understand ray finally and why he is the way that he is right now and being so anxious because when it flashes back it's him and a priest and it's a really funny scene up it until is. the point 
because he's talking to the priest and he's like confessing to murder and, and the it's priest his is like, murder who, are you going to, who did you murder he goes you <laughs> you, you father like, i forget the, yeah he, yeah you father and then he shoots him through the wall which by the way the father is played by Sieran hines who's popped up in a lot of things recently like game of thrones and even the justice league the, the snyder cut version um Good. Which now that's becoming a thing like Ang Lee's Hulk that we just keep bringing up. Yes, yes. Game of Thrones and <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Wow, two amazing film or two amazing projects that ended very well. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, then, well, you he's get... he's uh, he's Dumbledore's brother, isn't he? Yes, he is Dumbledore. He's Aberforth because that's that's what I know him from. Right, he's a great actor, and he, I like it whenever I see him in things. I'm like, oh, he's great, but he's not even credited in this movie, which is yeah. kind of interesting, but. So you get him talking to the priest and then shooting the priest, but he doesn't fully kill the priest right in the little confessional booth. And the priest is running away. And as he's shooting at the priest, it the priest says, little boy, you know, and you're like, oh, why yeah. do you say that? And then the camera keeps panning back. Or in this case, it's, it's, dolly, it's dollying it's, back. It's a, it's a good shot and as it, well because yeah. it, it, shows, it shows the priest's reaction. The priest falling, it shows Ray's reaction, and then it pans out and then shows the little boy. Right. It's got that great dolly shot just mm -hmm. pulling back until you see like this boy's face, and then you just see the chunk of his head that got shot off, which is just so shocking mm -hmm. and just like devastating that in a scene that was kind of funny up to that point, even though it was a scene of murder, it just got really dark by the end of that scene. Which yeah, kind of you you said in Untouchables, you 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 like that movies aren't aren't scared to show children dying. So right, then, that's then why here I we are again. This. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, here we are. It's like I got. We're gonna do a whole series of movies where they murder children. Oh shit! Here we go again. I got mimic for you coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But so yeah, we get that scene, which I think finally lets me not just hate Raid in the movie. You know, yeah. like I said, he has some charm despite his obnoxious qualities but well well something um i'm definitely not a gun guy but i was taught very strict safety rules so there are four you and i were both in boy scouts, and boy scouts. Both Eagle scouts. Co correct so we understand like yeah, the, gun safety so principles. so the the four main uh it's another pet peeve of mine when it comes to movies is mostly trigger discipline always keep your right. finger off the trigger until you it's always to, a problem in movies fire. every single time even in this tell my, that in, to my in, nephew in, all the time i I don't hold it against some movies like but this movie. They are hitmen. Obviously, they don't care about trigger discipline. Uh, in right. Pulp Fiction, obviously, they're they're hitmen. They're contract killers for Marcellus Wallace. Obviously, they don't care. But some some things to me, like um, it was a small scene in Untouchables, but uh, he bursts into the his his daughter's room. Kevin Costner. He bursts into his his daughter's room to see if she's okay. Gun in hand, finger on trigger, uh, and then picks up said daughter still with gun in hand still with right. finger on trigger um i and to be fair it is the 1930s they probably didn't teach trigger discipline or care but typically what you would do is holster your weapon then pick yeah. up child um yeah i wouldn't just run in there with the gun still out i did think about that one yeah that scene in Untouchables. but um uh i digress but i think it it for a movie to show uh, what I think is a very crucial, very crucial point in gun safety is know what is your target and what's behind it. So right. if 
it, it's very rare that movies actually show that. So that's that's which in this case that's a plot point. It's for a plot it to, point, yeah. right? Yeah, multiple times. Multiple times. Yep, multiple times. It's it even even that's called back. It's, it's yeah. Um, and then so with the scene with Chloe, he sets up a date with her, mm-hmm. but then they get the news from Harry, their boss, who's Ray Fine's character, um, to they have to stay in for the night because he's going to call them to give them more information and updates. Well, that wasn't the date. That wasn't the date scene though. Right. Uh, during the date scene is the the first phone call. The actual phone call. When he sets up the, the, the night that they go out and see the film production, that's when uh, they, that Maria gets the message from Harry. Cause they get back. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. get back. And then, um, Ooh, Ray ve- convinces Ken. I, he's like, well, I, only one of us needs to be here, right? I, and I've I, already got a date that I told you about yesterday. I I cannot. This is a this is a quick thing. When um, yeah. they're I think they're two names. They're two fake names. I think Ray is like uh, Cromwell or something like that. Cromwell, Crom. It's not. Cromwell, oh yeah, but it's Cromwell or something like that. And uh, Bleakley is is uh, Ken's. And Maria says, "Mr. Bleakley," and he says, "No." uh ble- no caramel no bleakly yes <laughs> it's, it's a small thing but it's... which those names are referenced i think to an old show or something that this movie is wouldn't surprise me in some way I, I think wouldn't that surprise I me saw that at some point that that was the case but but i just love that little back and forth of right like maria's trying to get his attention and ken doesn't even know his fake name or he's unsure about his <laughs> right, fake right. name which yeah, I mean, it's just all hitman, very quick. He, he yeah, would have tons very... of aliases, so yeah, it makes right. sense. But yeah, we yeah. can we can continue. So they they bring up the they bring up the date when he when he comes back the first time, talking about, uh, and it's a great scene of how loud Ray is like coming in, and Ken is trying to sleep. Ray comes in, right, and and, and he's like, okay, okay, he's... I'll be quiet. But wait, I got to take out my contacts. <laughs> and, it just continues on. He talks about the date. Brushing his teeth. Brushing his teeth. He talks about the date. Uh, and, and Ken agrees with him, except he has to do, during the day, everything that Ken wants right. to do. Uh, for the first two thirds, of, for two parts of the day, we mm-hmm. got to do what I want to do. Yep. And he agrees to that. And that's when we get the, the church scene with the, the vial of supposedly Jesus' blood. Right. Which, um, it's, compared to the rest of the movie, it's overshadowed. But I just love the point that uh, Ken brings up because obviously Ray doesn't want to be there, and he's talking about Jesus's blood, and he says, "So I'm gonna ju- I'm I'm gonna jump the rope. I'm gonna go take a look at Jesus's blood. If you want to come with." And he says, "Do I have to?" And he says, "Have to? Do you have to see Jesus's blood? No, you don't have to." I right. I I love how he turns that against him. It's it's like you don't want to see Jesus's blood, supposedly Jesus's blood. Come on, what are you doing? And right. It's it's just kind of the disdain for him right. at that point because at this point in the movie, Ken is kind of really embracing Bruges, and right. it's also hammering home the kind of different perspectives because the movie has a lot going on with conversations because they also go to that museum in a later or in a scene in the same day. Right. Where they're looking at all the artwork and it talks about, you know, purgatory, purgatory, hell, and heaven. Purgatory, right? and so this whole waiting period in the movie is definitely this kind of purgatory state for, like, not knowing what's going to happen. It's a it's a bit of a characters. it's a bit of an overview. But my theory about this movie is that the entire thing is purgatory, 
and there's an angel and a demon both fighting for uh, a, a prosecution and a defender in a sense. I see Ken is the defender. In this? Ken, Ken and Harry are the defender and the prosecutor. And the I'd argue oh, yeah. it's it's purgatory. It's essentially a trial. Right. Um, Bruges is essentially purgatory. So in the movie, it's referenced a little bit. Uh, Ray calls Bruges hell. And in my right. view, it's more purgatory. Which... which I think is hammered home by the end of the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, and... Oh, I so, was... Yeah, you could... a, a, small, a small note. This kind of shows that there are three different... Between the three, air quotes, main characters, there are three views on Bruges. Obviously, Ray is very apathetic right. or hateful towards it. Ken is very intrigued by it. And then uh, Harry has some insane level nostalgia for it. He's only been there once as a kid. And so just... he has just an ins- an obsessive love for it. So I, right. I like the play off of that. And that's hammered home by the first phone call. So obviously right. Ken's just like intrigued by it. He he likes the canals and bridges and that kind of thing. He likes seeing the sights. And he and Harry calls it a fairy tale world, essentially, or like a like a fairy tale. And Ken's like, ah, I wouldn't go that far, but sure. Yeah, I, I guess you can see that. So right, it's just which, playing off the three levels of of how somebody might see Bruges. Yeah, so this is when the movie really, like, I think the movie's great up mm-hmm. to this point. This is when the movie really takes off to me because you get, like, the dinner scene um, where Ken convinces, or Ray convinces Ken to let him go out eat because he's like, we only need one person here to get the phone call, don't we? Right. And then we get the phone call scene right after that. But the dinner scene is great because you got, like, him and the girl and just continuing the great dialogue and kind of that circular very dark very humorous kind of thing going on there um and they actually have a pretty good interplay yeah they, and then you have yeah, the do. canadian guy that's at the table next to him and she like blows smoke in his face and he's like unbelievable you know and that then breaks out into he chops the guy and he like slaps the guy out and knocks him unconscious yep. and then the guy's wife like swings the bottle at him he said <laughs> oh, a bottle <laughs> right. I, I love the delivery of that line. A bottle. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny. That whole scene yep. is really funny. And then it ends up going well for him up to that point in the date that we can tell. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to back to Ken in the hotel with waiting for the phone call, which is also just such a funny scene. Which okay, I will say that scene opens with a television screen right. showing a classic film. That film is Touch of Evil, which is very well known. I know nothing for... about that. Okay, that movie is very well known for its one-shot take. Um, so it, that movie gets brought up frequently in other movies even, or shown in a similar way to this one. Oh, so it's kind of... it's playing off the fact that the phone call is just one gigantic take? The phone call is all one gigantic take, which it... From like a cinematography perspective yeah. it's like a small room it's not that complicated of a shot no but not it is compared interesting to like dialogue. or right or but it's like really that. interesting it's really interesting dialogue though that and it's a lot of dialogue because it's a phone call and it's just you just get ken's side of it yeah. visually because harry at this point is still just like the a kind of enigma of a Harry's Harry's uh, up to this point. Harry's a little bit like a a combination of Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Obviously, not going to show his face, but there's a particular reason for that. And like Jaws, like he's just an unknown (laughs) monster that will eventually appear. Um, But you don't you don't know when, you don't know where, and you don't know how mad he'll be. But this the scene is so funny because it starts off with like not just 
first of all, there's the irony of him telling him to send Ray out of the room right. when they had already like when had he had already Ray done out that for the night. <laughs> he had already done that, and then him saying, "Oh, he's," I'll tell him to leave, you know, and yeah. then him like staying on the phone, like being like, "No, uh, like, what do you say?" Like making but sure he it, got everything. Yeah, but it, like, but it's so tense with the oh, he's going to find bowling. Hmm. I don't remember. I don't remember Bruges having it's bowling alleys. Bowling it must, well, it must, to tell him. It must be contemporary. Like, find that out. Yeah. It must be recent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so funny. Ken is treating <laughs> it like an interrogation, but Harry's genuinely trying to get information from him. And he's doing that thing where he's like just play acting. It almost feels like when you're lying to your parents. Right. <laughs> just on the phone and you're like having to make up more than what's going on. Exactly. Like, oh, he's he's digging home. a deeper hole for no reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, He's like, he could still be out there. He's like, you didn't give him enough time. Go check. <laughs> so he like stands up. He goes, thump, 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 walks over to the door, opens it up, rolls his eyes, closes the door. Like shrugs <laughs> and then walks back to the phone. <laughs> right. And then this scene also, though, then after we get to that point, he starts talking to him about just it's also just really funny. Just Harry's whole character is just so darkly funny <laughs> because he's like, how's he liking it? You know how you guys liking it? And he's like, oh, it's. I don't really think it's his thing. It's like, what, you what mean, do you mean it's thing? not his thing? How could, how could it not, not be, be his thing? Something? It's a fairy tale town. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of goes. He like freaks out. When he says it's not his thing, yeah. which then makes more sense once he says basically that he sent him here so he could experience it before he died because he's gonna have Ken kill him. Yeah, which Ken is obviously conflicted about, but like he's going to do his job yeah it's it's an order from boss which i wanted to just one thing that i just love about this movie and just mcdonough's writing in general is his scripts are to me and watching his films play out just kind of a joy to watch especially in a landscape of films that are pretty formulaic his movies are so just like they're just fresh like i don't know anything that's going to happen next it could go in any direction and that would make sense for it it just always feels like it's right on the edge of just so many different tones and feelings you know both comedically and darkly it could go either way at any point and sometimes it goes one way and sometimes it goes another and frequently it goes both ways so the the first time the first time i saw this movie i caught on to most of it because of the fact that i noticed it it was a little bit like an edgar wright script everything is set up and everything will eventually be played out right and in a payoff kind of sense but unlike some movies that'll be very uh predictable i find this to be there's no lazy setup for payoff because it's all it's all smartly written right in a, like in I a said, way that i can follow is... along i can guess what's going to happen i probably know what's going to happen when it eventually happens i think myself smarter for understanding it instead of uh that was kind of lazy so i i like right. i like that kind of script in a sense yeah like it's most comparable to me to the cohen brothers but I, the edgar wright comparison i also thought of that specifically with the way he sets stuff up and then kind of has those things echoed back right um later on Sp- uh more so. more so specifically with because he's only done six movies um the cornetto trilogy baby driver scott pilgrim versus the world and uh, last night soho so yeah um it's more so with the cornetto trilogy uh the, right. the, the tightness of the, of the scripts yeah all yeah. all three of them are very very smartly written right 
I don't know if smart which I think that's word, where but I'm hoping it is to... because if it's not that's very ironic isn't it <laughs> uh, either way it doesn't matter this is America that's true I'm so just a dumb, yeah but I'm with... just a dumb American elephant yeah and not to go too into like the Edgar Wright stuff but I do think that one of the benefits of this style of writing is the comedic nature of it and I do think that Edgar Wright's strongest movies are the ones where he's leaning more into his comedic sensibilities because I do like Baby Driver, and I'm kind of iffy on Last Night in Soho. Uh, but honestly, same. Were, yeah, yeah. Like, but his those three movies it's, and Scott Pilgrim as well. To like, me, Soho so is a fine funny. movie, but for Edgar Wright standards, very poor. But yeah, getting back to In Bruges. So now at this point, you go right to the next day, basically, and you get kind of more with Ray grappling. So, I, I cannot remember the exact score for the scene, but and I noticed the I what I noticed first when watching this movie was the polar opposite. Obviously, Ken is trying to be as quiet as possible when leaving the right. apart or the hotel, and Ray, whether uh, he's awake or not, obviously he's feeling the effects of uh, he's made a decision today, and the. The, the way the score works, the way the 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 shot goes from Ken leaving to Ray, it's it's a brilliant sequence of events. Yeah, which to note to the score, um, the composer is Carter Burwell, who is a famously underrated composer. Isn't he the composer for the Coen Brothers mostly? Yes, and I was about to say that okay. also kind of yeah, yeah I knew for something me, in my mind watching it. The kind of Coen Brothers comparison is that Carter Burwell kind of score in this has very much those uh, draws uh, that connection in my brain. A good piano score is is like cocaine to me. It's just so especially good. when they kind of turn it on its head at the end. But mm -hmm. I'll get to that. Uh, yeah, so you get the scene at this point where, which this is a really once again highlighting what I really like about taking things that we know about movies and kind of turning them on their head because you get him going and he finds Ray at the playground and Ray, then he's walking up with the gun and he's going to kill Ray or this is actually, okay. First he goes to the guy to get the gun. Yeah, he goes, to, a, he goes to Yuri. It's a really funny scene. <laughs> talking about the him, alcoves. He's just obsessed with the word alcoves <laughs> and trying to figure out if that's the right word. No, nope, nooks just, and that crannies, one, that man. Seems just nooks, funny. nooks and crannies. <laughs> right. Nooks and crannies. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. <laughs> Better than alcoves. <laughs> yeah, so you get that whole scene, which once again that comes back later too. I also love um, the the way that the way that scene is set up. Obviously, it's going to be very professional. Obviously, I mean, there's going to be some small talk when it comes to alcoves. Yeah. I imagine when it comes to hitmen, but uh, him inspecting the suppressor, inspecting the gun, inspecting right. the bullets, he's going to do all of that, and he's going to do all of it in such a way that he's done before. So it's it's short and professional. Right, right. It gets to the point, and, and it also shows he, he doesn't his want to, conflict. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want to tip off Yuri that he's having conflicted feelings about this as well. Right, which obviously doesn't. And at work. this point, Yuri, yeah, that notion. it feels like as an audience member, it's like I don't fully know if he's going to go through with it, but that's part of just the unpredictability of the movie. Right. Um, I don't feel like he's going to go through with it, but you don't fully know. So then we get the scene at the playground where he's walking up with the gun. Mm -hmm. And the silence. Another great shot. It just shot. follows the right. follows the gun the whole way. Right. And 
so then you have Ken and, he's watching the kids uh, on the playground, which this is a horrible <laughs> place to do this, especially after what you just did. Well, no, I think I I think that's that's what Ray was. Uh, I think it was very. So obviously he left the note that says I did this so that Marie doesn't have to clean it up, but I think he right. went to a park because he was this that was his way of making amends for shooting a child was like thinking of Killing children. himself in a park no it's well i'm obviously ray is not the smartest person or the uh most right i i can see that though him kind of wallowing he, yeah almost. he he want he wants to wallow in the pain by reminding himself of children because i this assume... is the, like the strongest source of that reminder the right. most painful place he could go to make himself feel that way if his goal is to kill himself that makes sense right to like make yourself feel even worse by watching happy it's, children yeah play. it's purely it's purely symbolic for ray it's not a you right the, there's no he he doesn't care what happens after he does it yeah but this is one of those really darkly funny moments where ken's walking up with the gun <laughs> and he's starting to point it at ray and then ray pulls out a gun and puts it up to his head and he says and, instinctively and pointing the gun at him, ray don't yeah yeah, he goes right down. Which, right as he's a, <laughs> which I I got the impression that he was going to do it, but obviously when when you see that it doesn't compute. So right, uh, especially a hitman. A, a hitman is hired to kill people that don't want to do that to themselves. So right. So if he sees that, he's just like, what What are you doing? His brain just automatically and voluntarily goes, just don't do it. Right, and then and so now he's stuck you... in the situation of oh, um, nothing. I don't have anything. I, uh, nothing behind my back. Right. So then, typically <laughs> in a movie, I think you would sit with some dramatic irony and have yep. that become a source of tension within the movie. But this movie immediately diffuses that yep. by making him go like, "You're going to shoot me," <laughs> and then he goes, "Yes, I was going to kill you." And then they just have a conversation about it. Which is just really funny that that's the way it goes. Well, the, and then uh, he doesn't even find the suicide. I, note I like the back and until forth until after he I gets like, back. Yeah, I like the back and forth of you can't do that. And he says, "I'm allowed." And he says, "No, you're not." And he says, "But you are." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they eventually talk, and I assume they're still in the playground because they're in like one of the like toy or car looking things. But they they both inspect each other's weapons, which as hitman obviously you're gonna that's just something i imagine you'd do but uh ken takes ray's gun puts it in his pocket ray's trying to get it back and one of my favorite lines in the movie uh is ray saying great i'm uh, i'm i'm suicidal my mate tried to kill me my gun got taken and we're still in fucking bruges <laughs> And right. the last part is the one that he's the most angry about. <laughs> right. The the delivery of, of it. Things. Yeah. The delivery of it that last that last part is the one you, is the deal breaker. <laughs> right. Is is one of my favorite things. His disdain for then... Rouge trumps all. <laughs> so after that conversation, uh the next like major thing that happens is can gets ray out of bruges yeah by putting him on a train and to just after... a random place in europe yeah to just go somewhere and he yeah. doesn't know where he's off to and then he calls harry right away and it's like do you hear that do you hear that <laughs> do you know what that is a train <laughs> no <what the> train <laughs> sounds like <laughs> like well then he tells him that he that ray was alive and he let ray live mm -hmm. and he sent him on a train and he doesn't know where he's going right or where he'll be um which then 
and then he hangs up and this is where we finally oh, get which you could talk about yep. it. yeah yeah the so scene where you get ray fines yep so you get you get ray fines he he has a second where he's processing it he knows what he has to do and then he just breaks the phone for a solid 15 seconds his wife comes over says harry it's an inanimate fucking object and ray ray finds lets out the perfect delivery of you're an inanimate fucking object it's right and then it's even funnier because <laughs> then it goes to like the next scene it just cuts to him talking to his kids and you understand that he's telling them that he has to leave yes. and go away um and then he apologizes to his wife i'm sorry i called you an inanimate, inanimate object. object i was upset <laughs> It's just so funny. Sometimes that's where it's like sometimes the dialogue like circles back like later and sometimes it just circles back like literally. It's the too next perfect. Scene. It is it is just too perfect. The the way if if I were to apologize for calling somebody something, I would not repeat the exact phrase. But he just goes, I'm sorry for calling you an animate fucking object. It's so great. Right. <laughs> it's good. And, and then we get Harry arriving in Bruges. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sees Ken. At so it's the it's interesting to note he doesn't automatically go to the uh, the hotel because he, right. he he looks at it later. But the first he has to get the gun. Yes, he he does have to get the, he does have to get the gun from the from guy Harry. in the alcoves. We didn't we didn't talk about uh, it's either Eric or Eric, uh, Chloe's ex right. Ex we didn't talk about partner. the drugs. Scene. Yeah, we we didn't we didn't talk we also didn't talk about the <laughs> two Mekki hookers and a racist dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> right, that whole scene is kind of insane, and the epitome of that whole. If you're super sensitive, it's oh not yeah, for you. yeah, it's it's definitely not for you. I just because yeah, you get the um the dwarf character. It's it's more comedic. It doesn't really do very much for the plot. It's more so for the characters. But I still I still right. love those scenes because of how 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 dark comedic they are, and also right because uh, so yeah, going back a little so well. bit. Going back a little bit because it's important because yeah. everything in this movie is important because it's pretty tight. So after the after the phone call with Ken, it cuts back to and the, the date, scene. which yeah. is continuing, and you get the scene where they're like making out, and then you get the guy coming in with the gun, and he like pulls. Yeah, him Eric is Eric is like, there to rob him. Yeah, Eric is there to rob him in that moment, and then he, being a hitman, knows how to disarm the guy pretty easily, yeah. so he does. Because um, he's like a two-bit guy, basically. Yeah, no, he he's he's yeah, he's. So he's like it just blanks, and then he's like, he shoots it once, and then he points it back at his face, and he shoots him in the eye with the blank and blinds him. Well, because <laughs> because yeah, because Eric made the bet that oh, because it's just blanks, no, it can't do anything for you. And another right. reason it's this movie is so smart about guns because blanks actually are lethal. Oh yeah, they can kill you. They can they can kill you if you're close up. It's it's not just the projectile; it's also the shockwave, and it's the uh, right. Yeah, it's it's the concussion effect. It's still an explosion. Yes, it is still a very powerful explosion. So yeah, so you get that whole series of events, and then the girl Chloe has to take Eric because apparently they run a scam together, mm -hmm. basically where she takes guys, but then she, she takes yeah she takes Taurus like and, and then he robs yeah. him. Yeah, that she actually liked him though is what I gather from it. So, and, but she still has to take Eric to the hospital. Yeah, so she <laughs> so she leaves and he steals her drugs because she does supply <laughs> drugs. She wasn't lying about that when she said she gave drugs to the set. People. I also just love the deadpan of uh, Eric is like crying and screaming in the background, and Ray is just like, "You're leaving right. me! You're leaving me!" Yeah. <laughs> so then 
yeah so then uh he goes back to the pub where um the ho- and he finds ken there who's drinking his sorrows away because he doesn't want to have to kill ray right and he comes in and he's on coke and then he offers uh, which i love i love the shot i i love the shot of ray looking at at the dwarf and and the prostitute and and ken just comes in and rests his chin on on ray's shoulder like and and the way that his eyes are are like his pupils are dilated and he's just like feeling the effects of cocaine (laughs) right i love that shot but um i feel bad calling the character the dwarf the whole time i'm forgetting the character's actual name um his name is jimmy jimmy we we didn't really yeah we didn't really get to talk about him but yeah jimmy 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 has a really good line as well ken is ken is talking about um the the girl that he shows up with and jimmy's jimmy says not my girl it's a prostitute and ken says i have no idea where you find prostitutes in in belgium and jimmy says yeah you just have to go to the right places a brothel works and then just looks at him i i i love that even even jimmy has has some lines but right well even the prostitute has some lines right because when he's talking to her (laughs) um and she mentions Amsterdam. It's like that's where she's, she's like, from. Isn't that, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't that place just um, full of hookers or something like that, full of prostitutes? She's like, and yeah, that's why I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she introduces that she is a prostitute. It's like, yeah, right. that's why I moved here. I thought I would get more. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So yeah, then then you get the scene of them where they're all doing drugs together, and... which I think is important because it uh, it it sets up that Jimmy is a little bit too weird on cocaine. But yes. um, it also it also sets up that Ken was married. She was black, and she was murdered. Right. It gives a little bit more to Ken's character. It, yeah, it it does. And this weird race war that Jimmy <laughs> is on drugs talking I about. <laughs> I I love it. Eventually, comes up again, but he he right. won't even take the Vietnamese. So yeah. So now coming back around to. Um, where we were before yeah this this is harry this is harry spotting uh ken at the restaurant so he he sits down and they have possibly the greatest conversation in in movie history (laughs) it's great it's it's real good because he's like because ken at this point is just like no he is yeah he is resigned to the fact that he is going to die right and he's like uh, he's like he deserves to live. He's talking about Ray to yeah. Harry. He's like Ray deserves to live. He's young. He messed up, but he deserves to grow and change. Yeah. And Harry's like, "What about me?" Kind of. And he's like, "What about my growing and changing?" He's like, "You're only gonna turn it grow <laughs> into, into a, a bigger." Yeah, you're only gonna keyword. turn into bigger. <laughs> and keep making more c-word kids. Then yeah, he we, says, we, you attract that bit about me. Yeah, we, you, yeah, we, I want to say the line, but I'm not going to. Right. But I also like the fact that uh, Harry's very thick or thin skinned, but he, he, and he's right. obviously angry, but he goes over the top when he talks about his kids. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting. He, he has principles, he, which is yep. established yep. very strongly he, at he, the end of the movie. He, he definitely has principles. So you get. Then it comes back to Ray riding the train, just trying to get out of Bruges. Mm-hmm. 
And then you get the, he looks kind of awkward at the station guy walking up and down. And he goes, you Irish? He goes, yeah. And then uh, it gets the Canadian guy that he you, you, knocked out at the restaurant <laughs> is there. And he gets you, you arrested hit, and you brought hit the Canadian? Rouge. Did I Did I heat the Canadian? You hit the Canadian. And he points points to the Canadian. So so Ray looks over and the Canadian immediately goes, that's, that's him. That's the asshole. <laughs> right, right. So, We're taking you back he, to Bruges. Brilliant. So he gets arrested <laughs> and gets brought back to Bruges <laughs> against his will. Yeah. And so then, and then he's in, Chloe yeah, bails uh, him out. Yep, bails him out. But instead of going somewhere, instead of trying to get out again, which does he just it, hangs oh, out man. with Chloe. <laughs> and so then you get where Harry and Ray are going to go somewhere more private, presumably yeah. so Harry can kill. Or Harry and so, Ken. Yeah, so they, Presumably so, so Harry so can they, kill they, Ken. They talk about the cathedral tower because there's yeah. it's it's the it's the middle of the evening. There's likely not gonna be anybody up there. They I mean, three hundred and sixty stairs or however many, they probably will not even they'll hear the gunshot, but they won't know the significance of it. They yeah. they'll just hear a pop from the distance. So in the untouchables, the, the gunshots are more right. that kind of thing. In this movie it's more pop. And then it's and then which, it's over, which is how gunshots. I like are. the accuracy very, very because loud it's, pops. Yeah. it's very loud pops even with the silencer though, because that's yes, yeah. Silencers do not fully silence guns. The, yeah, they silencers don't are not silencers. <laughs> no. they yeah. Sometimes, sometimes especially for for rifles and that kind of thing, you still kind of need ear protection for suppressors because right because they still can do damage to your it ears. Sounds like a loud kind of clap. It is, yeah. You it know. is a very loud kind of clap, whereas a, an unsuppressed gunshot is much more of a... It's of a, deafening. It's a but... pop, yes. It's a deafening <laughs> pop. Your ears will ring if you are close enough to it. Yeah, so they go... So they start heading over to the tower, yep. and then ironically, and we, Ray and, we meet and the guy that are right we there just making yep. out. And that's a and good shot. And they just shot. walk right past That's him. a great shot. Just it is a great shot. following Harry and Ken, just going, going to the tower to one of their dooms. Um, right. What I like is they they even bring back the dude who is just uh, guarding or not guarding, but like the the tower. He's taking his clerk. job a little too seriously. Yes. Tower guard he, to yeah. like pay, yes. people pay for admission. Yep. So so Ken goes there in the first scene, uh, tries to pay for entrance. It's five euro, and he only has four ninety. So he has to pull out a one hundred dollar a one hundred euro bill instead. Or I think it's one hundred yeah. or fifty or something. I think like it was that. a fifty, but either way, it's a large it was bill a for yeah, what it's, a, it's a large bill for what you need. So he has to make change instead of just accepting the fact that I've got four ninety euro in I'm ten cents. Change. I'm ten yeah, euros short. Ten, yeah, I'm ten cents short. Can you just spot me here? Um, and yeah, and the guy's like, no. So the guy is taking his job very seriously again because they closed yep. early because the day because before, of the the, the American having a heart attack on the steps. American had a heart attack and died. Closed there, that loophole. So they closed that, early. Closed that loose end. Yeah, um, and uh, but then Ray, being the short-tempered maniac that he is, just oh, Harry. like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Harry, I mean, uh, just completely just beats that guy, and Ken just walks past him before it even. Well, happens. he was probably just going to tell him off, happen. or like, or or he was going to like do something to force him away. But once yeah. once the the tower guy puts his finger on, he on literally Harry tries multiple to bribe times. Him. He he does, but. Um, he's just like, we just need to be up here for 20 minutes. Our business will be done and then we can go. And, and he's taking it too seriously. He puts his finger on, on Harry's forehead and taps him multiple times to, and Harry just 
dead look expression. He he just he yeah. yes, you're a dead man now. Congratulations. So he punches him and then I think hits him with the the uh the grip of his uh, I think it's a 1911. It, it, the grip of his gun. Um and all the while another great shot, so many great shots. The the shot that is happening, Harry is Harry is beating the guy, but Ken is just walking forward like it's just it's got to be done. Whatever. Right. But uh, but so then you get the scene actually up on the tower where mm-hmm. they're talking, and Ken actually manages to talk Harry down from killing him by telling him that he respects what he does so much, and he understands the consequences of his actions of letting Ray leave to the point that he's like, "I've accepted my death, so I'm not going to fight you up here. Well, so n- you can just kill me." Not not only that, but uh, Ken brings up the fact that uh, obviously with their relationship as boss and employee. Ken is kind of res- respecting Harry himself, which I think gets, right. would get through to Harry knowing the character that Harry is more than right. talking about Ray. Because no matter what happens to Ken, he's going to kill Ray. So that's that I don't think Ray was ever going to be able to talk uh, Harry out of it, especially knowing that eventually what happens to Ken is he shoots him in the leg. Right, he shoots Ken in the leg. Yeah. So why did you thought you were gonna get away with nothing? <laughs> so, uh, the important bit for this is as they're as they're starting to go down the steps. I assume they didn't get far because of how hobbled Ken is at this point. Right. And Eric spots Chloe with Ray at the restaurant. Right and outside. Runs up the stairs. Obviously, he's going to be faster than Ken and Harry. Runs up the stairs. Uh. Harry Harry draws the gun because he doesn't know who's there, and Eric says, "I can't remember uh, how he uh, he's, him. I think he just called Eric. him. His, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's Eric from from. Earlier. Are you the blind boy? Are you the are you the blind boy? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Ray Ray is in the restaurant out or in the cafe outside, and so that breaks the tension, and now." Uh, Ken and Harry have to resolve their differences. So they're like in a violent manner. They're already like he's already helping him down the stairs. So they're like right, right up on each other, yeah. and then just Harry gets the gun and he ends up shooting Ken in the in neck. The neck. Yep. And Ken just starts bleeding out up there, and then they and Eric then... and Harry make their way down the stairs and yep. leave Ken there. Um, at this point, Ken knows that he's going down just to just straight up just murder ray right there then and there so not not only that but there's absolutely no way with how much blood is coming out of him that he is going to make it down the steps absolutely without dying so so he realizes the best way that he can possibly warn him is by going by going back up yeah going back up and throwing himself off which this is a great another tie around back to the first time that he went up the tower and he couldn't use the coins Mm -hmm. To, to buy it exactly now he has these coins and he's dropping the coins off the top of the tower to let to people warn know the people yeah to warn the people underneath. to stay away yep yeah so then people start backing away from that spot like where are these coins falling and then he throws himself off which gets ray's attention and then lets ray notice that harry's there mm-hmm. and then just then you get the final chase scene. so so this something i will say something i will say it's a bit yeah. it's it's a pretty small thing uh for a movie that stayed realistic up to this point um I I could absolutely believe he was able to throw himself off before Harry got to the bottom. I mean, three hundred and sixty steps—that's no—that's no light thing. Um, what I can't imagine if it's three hundred and sixty steps. I don't know how many flights that would be. Obviously, it's more than a hundred feet. Oh, yeah, him uh, living. Him him living at the end of that. G forces would turn his brain into mush. He would be a dead man on spot. 
Right, because he doesn't notice Harry. He just goes up to his friend Ken and finds. Then Ken gives him his last little message in his dying breaths. Right, he says he Harry's says there. Harry's here. Get my gun, and of course the gun's broken because he landed on it. Right, um, and he says, "Where's my gun?" Which is set up earlier. He uh, Ken puts Ray's uh, six shooter revolver, Smith and Wesson, in a uh, drawer in the hotel. So that's set right. up from earlier. Even that shot. That small shot of where did the revolver go? Even that's set up for it not to be on Ken's body when he dies. So right, another another small nugget. But so then then Harry spots him and they the start scene, the chase. The chase. Which, I'd, the chase seems great. I've, Part yeah. of it is the the way that the score, which has just kind of been like a gentle piano score this whole time. Despite all of the darkness and weird comedy, yeah, it changes in into like a rock song, or it gets like this screechy, crunchy rock guitar, and yeah. it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like I love it so much that it just kind of goes it, to this different place. Yeah, I, the I, movie never I will. Went there. I will say it feels so wrong, but whatever. I'm I'm for it. It it, it is kind of weird. It's like it's wrong, but it's right. Yeah, like, it's perfect. <laughs> it's the like, Maryland flag. It's so terrible. It's good. Well. Well, oh, I, I just, I don't know, I just, it has such a good, just kind of, like, action quality to it, which the movie at this point has not been, has not dipped into being an action movie at right. any point. Yeah, this is, so, this is the kickoff to the, to the end. Right, which, this is we'll the get, very end We'll of get the there eventually, too. but I, I just love this, the, the scene between Maria, Ray, and Harry, and Maria says something to the effect of, just put, put your, both your guns down and settle this with words, and. And Harry immediately snaps back with, no, we can't do that. It's the shootout, like breaking the right. fourth wall, almost like, no, we can't do that. This is the climax. Yeah. Uh, but something I will note with the chase, obviously, because Harry climbed up steps and went down steps, he's going to be more winded. So, of course, Ray is going to slip past him. That it, It's a small thing. But I I love it when chase scenes right, actually work out him in the with, chase. right with logic and right and. And he's older, he, like Harry's older right. than him. He's he's older. Yeah. He's winded. He's probably a crack shot, but shooting a moving target is terribly inaccurate. And also, when you're winded, it's much harder. And also, you yeah. have to stop to aim. So yeah, yeah. I so once you get to that, the stalemate in the hotel with mm -hmm. the with Marie not leaving and everything. She's is like, Marie oh, my Maria? hotel. Have, have, I, have I been saying her name wrong? Do each other somewhere else. Um, and so then they come up with the very just like darkly funny conclusion of like okay i can go slip out the window and jump in the canal and try to make it from there <laughs> you can run around and he's like do i run around to the left or the right he's like it's right there it's literally just a few steps <laughs> um and so you get them trying to just work out their plan to kill each other or right. to, for him to get away or be killed basically well, it's, it's all purely ba uh, based on the fact and uh, she marie or maria marie not maria so yeah. obviously marie is pregnant and also an innocent and in all this so they're just right. trying to make sure that she is no in no way involved right because they have their morals they have their standards yeah their that, principles. yes right they're they're hitmen but they're um they they're professionals and that's the whole premise of the movie is that right. you know he killed the kid which was never supposed to happen you know so they're mm -hmm. not trying to have any collateral damage that's not what they do yeah so yeah then you get where they then ray jumps out the window like he says and he fortunately he ends up on a boat yeah um, to his luck 
<laughs> oh, an important. Uh, Harry an, still comes an, around an, the corner. An important but. bit as well. Right before the stalemate, he has to reload his his uh, nine mil or forty five ACP nineteen eleven, and so he he doesn't have any more regular rounds. Important bit. He has the dum dums. Right. So he it even sh this movie even shows him reloading the dum dums. It's just very well thought out. Seriously though, like it, he thought of everything. Right. And um, then if you're going to make a movie this kind of self-contained in the way that it is, you yeah. may as well have the details down. That was my problem with Pitch Black. Pitch Black is a very contained movie, but it felt like the details weren't all there. Yeah, I This agree. movie is a similarly contained movie. It's not as, like, it's not Some, trying it's, to do it's, as much. It's more simple, and that's right. a benefit. Right. In, in so, every sense. Because if you're doing a simple story, then you really have to flesh out the details to make it feel more rich, more right. textured. So, and this movie does that in excellent. Impeccably. It's, it's yes. really good. So yeah, then you get Harry pointing the gun at him and he's on the boat drifting away and he's like, oh, no oh, way, it's, it's too, too far. far. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like trying to move or anything, he just, he just like thinks he's not going to get shot and then he just gets shot. That, that's when, that's when wisdom over, over age kind of thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Ray is more spry, and he can jump on a boat. But right, being being so, a crack shot like that, he probably yeah. could hit that shot. Then the the pursuit continues to the point where they end up. Ray ends up kind of a very much bleeding out in pain, um, stumbling onto the film, film set, set going on, which now has this weird smoky atmosphere with all of these like skeleton things. Looks very much kind of like the art that was in the movie earlier right and kind of re-emphasizes this kind of purgatory state of where they are and and, and with they that... find and they find jimmy who jimmy recognizes him yeah. instantly and of course they they are quote-unquote friends they're acquaintances who at least know each other so jimmy of right. all people is the one to approach him because he sees maybe because he sees he's injured or maybe because he wants to sell him off or but he is dressed as a school child right which is an important bit. Right. And then, so as Harry catches up with Ray and Ray is approaching Jimmy, Harry shoots at Ray again, shooting him multiple times. Yeah. And it's very much times. reflective of the priest scene. Yep. And But in this situation, in every way. Jimmy takes the bullet on the other side of it. And which this is kind of one of the more interesting bits of the movie to me. When Harry comes up, and sees that he killed what he thinks is a child. Right. And he then goes through, he's like, oh, well, I got to stick to my principles. And before he can shoot himself, Ray really tries to tell him, no, it's not a child, even yeah. though he's trying to kill Ray. Yep. So, like, it's just, I feel like that's almost him kind of coming back from that, trying to save somebody from doing something because they didn't do this thing that they thought they did not not know? only that but obviously ray doesn't think before he speaks so obviously he's right. going to say whatever he thinks so right uh but either way then harry kills himself because of his principles mm -hmm. he did the same thing that he was going to kill this guy for so i was like well we gotta stick to my principles yeah and then it the movie wraps up with ray getting picked up in an ambulance and him having narration come back in for the ending talking about uh what does he specifically say there oh kind of um 
Yeah, he ties uh, it back to the beginning, yeah. and he's saying how he doesn't want to die in Bruges, yeah. of all places. But then he's and like, maybe... Bruges. But then he kind of compares it to purgatory, almost, of like, maybe Bruges, you know, maybe he's being living a life in Bruges right. would be purgatory for him. It's And it, then it just kind of fades out, and that's how the movie ends. Yep. You don't get a confirmation of whether or not he lives or dies. Nope. Apparently there's a deleted scene where you get... Or in the original script, um, you get a more definitive answer that he does live hmm. but the movie decided i think smartly to end it on a more ambiguous note especially because, because yeah especially with the the notion or the the theory uh right the slightly the the, yeah the slightly supported theory that this actually is purgatory right yeah the thematic elements that lean into yeah. those aspects of the film now getting into the scoring for the actual episode. So going into our usual categories, the alternative category that we put for this movie is it's comedy. Comedy because instead of action or it's, yeah. instead of period or period accuracy. historical accuracy for yeah. Untouchables. Yeah, that so we did comedy. on Untouchables. Mm -hmm. So this one being that's what we figure it most closely resembles. That's And what I think is significant to the movie as well. Most but yes, first our first category is writing. If so, this being still a new show, our rating system is we go from zero to two on a number of different categories, all adding up to twenty total. And uh, I'm botching this. Here, so so yeah, so so zero is what we is it's the bottom end of the spectrum. We don't like it. One can be considered good, and two is going to be considered great we left it vague on purpose because neither of us would actually rate this movie what it is and unless it just happens to be that way but it's this would not be the metrics that we would use if we were actually rating movies this is very casual yes yes that's just our show's way of kind of building on our ideas to have a review we are opening score. up a conversation in a way that likely not a lot of people are going to find fault with because it's that's how casual it is it's yeah so the first category to talk about within this movie is the writing um obviously this was nominated for an academy award for writing it won a bafta for writing uh it's a great script it's, it's strongest quality is absolutely the it's script. writing yeah and that's a two it, it's absolutely a two i haven't seen obviously that many films or that many films compared to you but i hold that this is the best written movie that i have seen when oh, when yeah. it comes down to script and what the script does for the characters plot and themes 100 percent, this is the best movie i've ever seen yeah i mean for the kind of movie it is there's a lot of movies that have excellent writing excellent scripts that are more sparse in kind of what they're trying to do with the dialogue and other aspects of it right but this one being a very talky lower budget kind of film with a very british it, sensibility yes it it has it, it doesn't have the effects that a transformers film can get 300 million dollars based on it it purely has words and it has to stick to that and it does flawlessly. and it draws you in more than those 300 million dollars transformers absolutely movies. absolutely <laughs> just with it its does. words so it, it yeah, I looked it up because I wanted to feel sad. Michael Bay is the third highest grossing director in American history. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, Just based on the Transformers it's, it's, franchise it's alone. It's very annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay, I 
I have a weird take on Michael Bay. I actually really think that he's a very definitive filmmaker in his own right, and that alone is worthy of respect for him in his craft. But I don't like what he does. I, I uh, res- respect wouldn't be the word I would use. But I I, I respect that he has a ag- definitive style. Ag- that acknowledgement. Michael Bay movie. Acknowledgement would be yeah. what I would. The fact that I could watch one minute of a Michael Bay movie and know it's a Michael Bay movie, I think is something that is not something you're able to attribute to a lot of different filmmakers. (laughs) I give him credit where it's due. I think that's, that that could be a good thing and could be a bad thing. Right. For me, it's a bad thing. (laughs) For me, it's a horrible thing. It's like hearing Ozzy Osbourne's voice. You only know it's Ozzy, so. (laughs) Right. Um, All right. Getting into the world building is our next category. Um, we separate it from the writing because I think that there's a few more departments and aspects going into Absolutely. this within the actual production. And in this case, the whole world of this movie is just it's just Bruges. Bruges. Yep. And it is very specifically captured. The movie was shot yep. in and Bruges. The, I I want to say the only scene not supposed to be in in Bruges. Roll credits. The only shot not supposed to be in Bruges is the priest killing scene. But even that right. was That's filmed on location yeah. in Bruges. Right, I figured me as well. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No point not you, you just need location. you just need a church, a medieval church, right. or just a Catholic church, and they found yeah. one. So yeah. But for the what the movie is going for, it mm-hmm. captures its like the the really the scenery, the setting of the whole movie being in Bruges, um, being such a focal point of the movie. It really like hammers that home in every department and aspect, and I think i can't not give it a two yeah so the story from martin mcdonough is he went to bruges and ken and ray are his two side personalities of how he viewed bruges one of uh his ken side was infinitely intrigued with the medieval architecture and the fact that it's one of the most well-preserved medieval uh city then the ray one was the nightlife is terrible and it's pretty boring if you think about it so right so he he wanted to capture that and he definitely did which i feel because every time i go somewhere like when i went to italy and some other places like i go somewhere and it's like do i want to be like go and just do the tourist traps which yeah if you just do that and you like have the mindset of like i'm just gonna do that it's gonna be fun then it's fun if you have the passion for it it's, it's better than most places yeah, but then there's a, I have a very cynical side of myself too. That's like, ah, this is stupid. You know, <laughs> like I just want to do something like, mm-hmm. or that's not so touristy and dumb. Yeah, um, because because sometimes, uh, and I'm kind of the same way. I'll, I'm all for a museum if it's something I enjoy. But I recognize that when I'm an American tourist abroad, I'm an American tourist abroad, and people judge me right. as such. So really, I just want to be like, like where Ray wants to go. Essentially, a pub. I just want to see where all the the people actually living there what they do because if somebody's going to know what the most fun thing to do in a certain place it's going to people be the people who live there so right so that that's how i view it but yes the the world building is it's it's simple but it's effective because it's only trying to be what it is and that's bruges so it's good i agree with the two characters Um, so there's not a lot of characters in the movie it's very localized like we talked about there's really only three major characters with a few 
um, key side characters. But even the side characters are pretty well fleshed out, and then the very minor characters are all impactful and have a point. Not only impactful, but they're consistent. Tower guy, right. Marie. Um, the Canadian. The Canadian. <laughs> the alcoves guy. The Canadian's girlfriend who swings a bottle. Yeah, they're all memorable. They and are, Interesting yeah. and dynamic characters, even in very brief amount of screen time. And all, all of them have killer lines. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say this is a two for me. Absolutely. I'd, we didn't even talk about, well, in, in our short little talking about the characters, we talked about the minor ones, but the major ones are a huge home run. Right, absolutely. Um, all are, three of them. All three of them are spectacular. Yeah. Um, I actually, I don't remember if it, I, the BAFTA, it... Yes. Okay. So it also got nominated for supporting. So I, I for... think it's I think it's important to note as well. I think it was nominated for best uh, comedy or musical uh, for the Golden Globes, but I believe uh, I believe I intentionally don't bring up the Golden Globes Golden Globes they don't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Like then, seventy then again, foreign press people in the U.S. For, vote for, on that. for that me, count. most of the in, in my opinion, the awards are quite arbitrary when it comes to what they actually award. I think the nomination is much more impactful than winning the award because winning the award is a con it's a popularity contest. It's not right. It's just they it's a good they don't care about thing. that. It's it. I I'd say just having the nomination for for screenplay is for me more important than just winning the award. Yeah, but at nomination the nomination carries more weight uh, for me than yeah. uh, for that. At the at the Baftas, which obviously bring up the Baftas a lot. In this oh, they video do on, because they do it is ensemble, a British right? film. Um, it got nominated for editing, supporting actor for Brendan Gleeson, and best British film. Like uh, they have a special accolade just for is it the is British it, films. Obviously, I don't know my awards, but is oh, it and the, it won best is screenplay. It the Emmys or is it the Baftas that have best ensemble when it comes to acting? Um, the Screen Actors Guild. I don't know if the Baftas Screen Actors Guild does. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, because it's an acting award. That's kind of their biggest one. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, this I mean the cast deserves every bit of credit because I would say, uh, they and their characters specifically though, as far as this category, because we mm -hmm. do separate characters and actors. Yeah, um, characters is more more so of a of of a writing. But they're all dynamic the and interesting. Ray, shows. Ray is so like you hate him at first because he's just like i said at the beginning he's just such a prick <laughs> and then he kind the of is throughout the entire on. movie but he the, is throughout the whole but, movie but you understand him more yeah some layers and context but he's yeah, somehow charming when he's good. a prick though it's so weird yeah yeah so characters definitely too yep directing um is the next category i will say out of every category in this Directing is the one I'm most inclined to go towards one. However, I still trend towards two here because of how well he handles the different sequences. And as far as a director is concerned, one of the biggest thing a director has to do is to get the performances out of the actors. Yeah. And he does that so well in this. And yeah. it's clearly just well constructed. He understood. He didn't just write a script that he could give to somebody else he wrote a script that he knew exactly how to make the movie he wanted to make and he executed making that movie exactly the way i think he wanted to make it 
Um, so I think that the directing deserves that extra bump up. I think that the only thing that I say to get it where I inclined a little towards the one is because it's not necessarily like there aren't a lot of shots in the movie where I'm compelled and it's more serviceable in terms of its presentation. I think for the most part, there are a lot of interesting shots, but not as much as like one of the great movies directed, but because of just how well everything is put together, I'm going to give it the extra bump up. So, so and the part of that is being a first feature. So obvi- obviously I'm not a film guy, so I don't know exactly uh, what directing means, but I have my own view of directing. It's, the person, he he just has cards in his hand. They are just cards in his hand until he eventually puts it up as a house of cards. So him doing what he has to do in order for the cards to fit right. in such a way. And it's simplistic and it's, uh, it's not very, it's not a very deep thought, but that's how I see it. And that's how I would say he did very well in that aspect. Yeah, I I agree. And like I said, I give him a little bit of extra credit because this is his first mm-hmm. feature. This is like one of the strongest first features I've ever seen from a yeah. filmmaker. And it's incredible, too, because with his following movies, he pretty much just stays in that $15 million range. And you see him get better and better as a director in those movies. Yeah. So this one, going back to it, it's clearly a little bit scrappier in terms of how he's doing it, even though his later movies don't necessarily have a bigger budget even than what he had here he's able to use it in a way that it feels like his budgets are growing as his movies are going along yeah i guess i i I guess that's another thing as well i kind of think of a director as you do with what you have you make you make do with what you have and you try to excel at it he he definitely did for me absolutely so for yeah two again yeah i I don't think to earn a two for us should be it's the one of the best directed movies ever made because I don't think this is. I think it's no, it's just great. If it's good or great, yeah, yeah, we don't have a three for best ever. No, we we don't. One and two, (laughs) good or great. We could probably we could probably make a tier list for the best directed movies ever. Sure. I again, not being a film guy, would know how to quantify that. Just throw you into the deep end, Kyle. (laughs) Please no, I'll drown. Uh, okay all right visuals obviously there's no like cgi or visual effects to to speak of which i think is a positive for me because with a movie like this apparently they yeah apparently they had a scene that was cut because that took place in the past when harry was younger Mm -hmm. um that they cut because the cgi didn't look good though which I think the movie works better without I, that I, I absolutely do think that works better, actually, because the more mysterious Harry is to me, the better right. of a character he is to me. Yeah, Harry not, not having a flashback with a younger actor playing Harry. I especially in, especially in one-off movies, flashbacks don't really work for me. No. The pre-scene obviously makes sense because it's the plot point. It's not a flashback. It's it's the whole plot, the where it starts. So you have to have that somewhere. But yeah, having a flashback scene to a to a to the third most uh, important character in a movie is kind of weird, even the, even if he is the antagonist. Although I'd argue yeah. that in Bruges itself is probably more of an antagonist than Harry. Yeah. Um, 
at least array but i will say with the visuals and everything like that it's straightforward and simple enough um i don't really know what it gets wrong and in, in fact the continuity i don't of, think it gets visuals yeah and, and i don't think it like gets that. anything i don't think it gets anything wrong necessarily mm -hmm. um and i'm not here to like dog on the visuals because i'm not at all i don't think it's bad at all uh, I don't necessarily think it hits that great level for me in terms of how the film looks. Part of that is, I think, the first-time director quality that I was talking about before, which has an appeal to it, but... Sometimes it can be endearing. Yeah, it can be endearing. In this case, once again, I think that it looks good. I just don't think it looks great. There's nothing that really pops about it. It captures the scenery of it well yeah. enough, but I don't think the movie, like is this movie I'm going to watch because of the way it looks, you know, I'm watching it because of the performances, because of the acting and because of the, the writing yeah. way. It, yeah. The, there are certain movies that I will watch just because of the way it looks. And this movie's not one of those. I think in terms of visually, it's not super inspired. It's not super memorable. It's just yeah. solid. It's good, solid filmmaking. So that's, this is a category I would give a one. I'm, I'm inclined to agree actually, because I, I do like some of the shots, some, uh, some of the shots resonate with me. It's more subjective, though, and yeah. I do. Th yeah, I, I. When it comes to the whole first-time directing type thing, uh, I, I actually do find most of it to be endearing in a way. It, I just, yeah. I just want them to get that. To oh, get I that, always have like, a soft beginner's spot for luck. It, for sure. I mean, sometimes it can just be enduring, like, like with tedious right. directors. I'm not going to name names because I've already named some. Right. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, I, once again, this movie's it looks good. It looks very good. Yeah. It's just, I wouldn't quite say it's great. And if we're basing it on that kind of quality, then I'm going to say just one. Yes. Yeah. Where I'd put it. And yeah, yeah, I'll agree. We did skip over acting because I already marked it as yeah, two. Yeah, no, we, it, we've talked like about it. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> it we've like talked it about no the, we don't We don't have to say anything. We'd just be gushing. So, <laughs> right. yeah, we, we can just call that a two and move along. So All right. editing, editing is for me a two. I think yeah. it's perfectly edited for the type of movie it is with all of the kind of callbacks and circular nature of everything. It oh, all man, just yeah. flows well. They really thought about and, everything. Right. It, it, that's the attention to detail stuff. It really came through in the editing as well. So yeah, moving on to sound. Um, sound is something in this movie that I think is a little unassuming, but actually pretty great. Because like you said, we talked about the gun sound effects and yep. how other movies get that really wrong. And yeah, and especially doesn't. for especially uh, if you see the trailer, it's very it's very campy. Only shows the comedy, but it makes it seem like it would have the gunshots of like John Wick. Because it, like the trailers edited was like right, like yeah. those type of like old video game gun sound effects yep. almost. Yeah, and we like I I can't remember if we talked about that for Untouchables, but uh, that kind of thing is uh, it it takes me out of the scene. Like it's I, I love the John Wick movies, uh, but the some of the gunshot sounds and especially when he's I think it's the second one, the second John Wick movie where him and Common. Uh, the the right are shooting at are, each are other shooting at each other with suppressed with yeah. suppressed guns and no one reacts whatsoever and they don't shoot just, like just yeah. one or two they shoot like dozens and no I just one, accept in those no movies that there's some magical quality to whatever kind of world of assassins yeah, like yeah, so, gear that they have but I mean ugh. but yeah no I'm with you though like 
realistic sound effect of the the realistic sound effect of everything kind of works and i think oddly enough somehow and i don't know how i how i didn't know this i had two songs on one of my favorite spotify playlists from this movie from the score oh really unknowingly so i that apparently i like the score (laughs) yeah two more things to note about the sound is one the score carter burwell score is great um it's really effective the whole time it's very simple for the most part until you get to that chase scene where i love the crunchy screechy guitar like ramp up at the end of the movie but yeah the whole time it's effective i really i think carter burwell is one of the i, I will i will say typically like a, a quick change in like i noted for the untouchables that the untouchables has a very strange action score but mostly that could be attributed to the 1980s so yeah that was um, more so that was yeah, yeah that was more just generic formulaic 1980s action score but I mean, one, one of the most iconic pieces of action score from the 1980s was Axel F. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But I, I will say, I didn't get taken out of the movie uh, from that shift. And in fact, before you brought it up, no. I didn't even recognize like right. It just kind of ramps up. It just kind of works great. with it somehow. Yeah. Um. And also, one other underappreciated thing about the sound. Um, in a lot of Irish films, I do end up putting on subtitles or with Irish speaking people because there's a lot of very fast dialogue yeah. usually with heavy accents. Some Irish and people this, are not speaking English. And in this, there are heavy accents and fast speaking dialogue. And part of it is probably in how they execute the performances, but part of it's also probably the acting, in the yeah. sound. I never had to put on subtitles no, for this movie and, and I and, never missed anything. Uh, so. Yeah, there there are a few things I can recall, but they're very small, and they are immediately. One example I can say is, uh, it's after the the park scene, so they're they're talking about it, and uh, Ray, so they yeah he he asks why can't I take a train back to London, and and Ken says Bec- we can't we can't bring you down there you'll be a dead man, and Ray says, but I want to be a dead man, but with with his irish accent and the acting that he's doing he's it's very emotional what i heard first was but i don't want to be a dead man and i'm like wait a second the events of five minutes ago really 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 harp on that and uh really put a damper on that and then immediately brendan gleason's uh ken says no you don't want to be a dead man so it's obviously oh he did say but i want to be a dead man okay yeah. So, so it, for, even was, for small things like that, yeah. they they immediately just it it clicks back to, like, right. I never misunderstood any. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a two for sound. Yep. Comedy for this movie. This movie makes me laugh a lot. I I was surprised. I've seen this movie probably four times, and I still laughed at some of the some of the things. Yeah, like it's it's very it's shock really comedy. dark humor. It's dark, dark humor, pitch black humor. And I mean that's a staple of McDonough's work. Um and here it's as strong as it is in anything. It's just there are moments that are shocking and mm-hmm. then all there are moments that are funny and there are moments that are shocking and funny. It's just it is one of the best just dark comedies that I think has been. Yeah, written. somehow somehow probably one of the funniest movies. Like if I were going to recommend a funny movie. I would probably recommend this because I can't see how no one's <laughs> going to laugh eventually. Even like, uh, even yeah. like, uh, there's got to, there's got to. The the highly sensitive many. types I would not recommend this to. Because That's only for certain laugh. things, and even even there are sensitive uh, things said, but it's it's thrown both ways. So right. it's 
it's not so much making light or stereotyping. It's more so, it's for me, it's more so laughing with, not laughing. It at. uses the heaviness to Im- it imbues the heaviness into the comedy, which makes the comedy somehow richer in this movie. Yeah, because it, it, it it's so like taps into that darker side of us. It feels like some stand-up uh, comedies that I've seen where they don't they don't they poke fun. But it's it's more of like a, a bring up something to to make fun of, but to laugh with, not laugh at. Yeah. So it's it's not in, it, the intent is not to hurt. It's to it's to poke fun. Right. Um, and it's so, and it's very it's very clearly uh, suggested or heavily supported that uh, the movie isn't supporting Ray with or Jimmy no. or anybody with what they say. They're hitmen. They're terrible they're all bad people yeah effectively they're murdering people for money exactly um, so yeah you, you know what kind of movie you're getting into mm-hmm. um impact is our final category and this, that we always this talk is about. why i brought up the trailer because if we're talking about if we're talking about marketing with a movie um that trailer probably didn't help put butts in seats it's oh no i wouldn't have seen I, that movie have had i seen that trailer because I would have so thought that trailer would have just, or this movie would have just been a generic fire or shootout kind of movie. So, right, and that was obviously the American trailer for it, which in America it only made around eight million dollars, yeah. which isn't very much at all for me here. Yeah, uh, and in the UK it made like eleven million dollars total in the uh, across all of what's considered the UK. Yeah. Which it obviously did better there than here. It's still not like a massive hit. It made thirty nine million on a fifteen million dollar budget, so it was profitable, um, if not only like barely. But I think the impact of this movie doesn't as much lie in its actual exposure. Yeah. But I do think that it vaulting Martin McDonough to become a very prominent name in Hollywood, with I mean three billboards for the type of movie that it is made almost 130 million dollars worldwide on a very similar budget to this uh his most recent movie banshees of Sharon, didn't make that much money but it's still it made 49 million um well i I think more so i think people i i guess it's not underestimate or underestimate but it's it's they don't acknowledge as much the the power of the american market yeah. So obviously, think, if you're making an Irish movie or a British movie, and you're right, it's it's not going to resonate very well with Americans, relatively. Right, and this is still like the late two thousands was really right when they were kind of globalizing the market market for box office. Like that's another that's question that I really kind of hit that point. Out. So this is right on that kind of cusp of the global box office being the most significant thing because throughout the 2000s we were getting more and more of that but then because budgets for movies kept inflating and inflating and they still do unfortunately to this day but yeah this i mean so yeah not like global impact in terms of people who have seen it but it did build a cult following and it did establish a director who's now highly sought after within film like within the film world itself is where its impact truly lies. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's one of the most influential movies that exists out there though, either. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like 
this movie had a massive impact on. Okay, so I I wanted to look this up because it reminded me. So this movie came out uh, in the United States, February 2008. That was right smack dab in the middle of the housing market crash. So Mm. I think that also can affect, just in the way that COVID um, and quarantine can affect. Obviously, COVID and quarantine affected the box office. It basically plunged it into like the lowest it's ever been i imagine but uh obviously the 2007 2008 market crash probably had some effect on whether people wanted to go see movies at a regular rate yeah so yeah then that's kind of i always i do appreciate like i like putting things into the perspective of kind of what we're looking at mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about it in context of like great american movies or great, great british movies like what kind of impact did this movie have and in this case I think it had a, a significant impact in a small way. So I wouldn't give it a two here. It would be a one for me. It was a rock dropping in an ocean. Yeah, it made a difference. But yeah. what it, it didn't do... Culturally, it's 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 not even brought up It's at still all. fairly unknown. Yeah, in film circles, unknown. it's very well known. Like yeah. People like in my film classes, everybody knows this movie in those kind of areas. But yeah, um, in the general world, it's not that much impact so i will yeah. say that's why i'm at a one with it yep which and i agree that completely puts us, that puts us at 18 out of 20 18 out of 20 9 out of 10 yep which i mean it's a great movie so that's our highest rated that we've done so far and i think that that is also the best movie we've watched so far uh, absolutely so yeah that lines up with me that that's actually very close to what I'd give it. I would eight point five or nine out of ten is if I really yeah. thought about it, that might change. But I if if I sat down, that'd be my preliminary guess if I yeah qualified it because and that's not even close to what other people give it. People uh I think it's I always bring up IMDB, but it's it's more so just to bring up something that can be a standard for us to bring up. We have to put it in context, of course. It's not it's not the right. correct rating. No rating is the correct rating, but yeah. Um, IMDb I think gives it a seven point eight out of ten. It's a seven point nine, which on IMDb is great as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because, because the the highest one is what nine point two, still Shawshank. Yeah, it's a it's a weird scale and it yeah. doesn't really hold much bearing because anybody can rate it any time. But right. I do think that seven point nine is is a really strong rating yeah. on that site. And yeah, I think this movie kind of earns its positive reputation that it's made over the years and it's a great movie i was i was really happy to revisit it yep it's a, it's a great it's a great microcosm for me between perfect acting and perfect writing that i just yes. love so to venture forward into completely new territory for the podcast and for you um first of all I've noticed that all of our episodes have been very male centric in terms of the types of movies that we're watching. That's true. So I wanted to really divert from that. And I also wanted to watch something that was a lot newer and more recent. So the pick that I have for next week is the movie that came out this year. Um, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, which I watched this movie in theaters and it's great. It's a great movie. And I'm excited for you to watch something totally outside your usual zone uh, because it's basically a coming of age story for like a preteen girl mm-hmm. in the, I think it's said the sixties or the seventies. 
and yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm kind of excited to branch the podcast into a new direction. Okay. Yep, I'll rinse it. <laughs> or you, like I said before, you can watch it through my I don't, I don't want to judge it now. It's like The Untouchables. I, I know nothing about this movie. Literally didn't know it existed, so. Um, right. So yeah, we'll we'll watch Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, for next week's episode. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs>